let's uh, let's get right into the word this morning here. Uh, we've been conducting a series on the uh, uh, healing uh, crusades of Jesus, you know, Jesus healing crusade. And we've been looking at and chronicling all of his uh, 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 healing miracles and so on and so forth. And so uh, we're going to pick up and mark the ninth chapter before I, I go there, though, I do want to. Uh, say, do you remember the, just review, the people came to Jesus's uh, healing uh, meetings. They came not only to be healed, but what did they come for first? They came to hear and be healed. They came to hear and be healed, right? And we understand that Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So that's our, that, that's our foundational text. But he had that power, but people came first and foremost, to hear what he had to say and then to be healed. And so that's something that I want you to, to, to remember as, we, as we've gone through these different uh, uh, lessons over the last many, many weeks. And then also to remember that uh, Jesus again and again pointed out that it was the people's faith that healed them. Now we know it was the power of God that healed them, but it was their faith that tapped into that power. And uh, last week we talked about the Syrophoenician woman and her daughter. Remember that? And we spent some time on that. But what I, I, I forgot to mention this last week, but I needed to. So I, that's one good thing about doing a series. You can pick it back up the next week. Uh, Jesus uh, made a statement to her. And remember, she talked, to, that was the one that, you know, he, he wouldn't talk to her at first and then called her daughter a little dog. Remember that? And she said, you know, even dogs eat the crumbs from under the table and so on and so forth. He, he said for that late woman, for that saying, your daughter's healed and so forth. But, but the thing I neglected to mention is that he brought out about this lady. He said, great is your faith. Great is your faith. And I got to going so quick last week, I forgot to mention that. So if you want to uh, uh, see someone who had great faith, go look at that Syrophoenician woman again that we talked about last week. Jesus said she had great faith. But there again, you see, it was the faith, her faith that, that, that caused the power of God to go into operation, you know, and to, to get her daughter healed. So I thought that was uh, worth noting. You need to remember that it's again and again, it's our, our faith is what draws the power of God. It was these people in the Bible, it was their faith. Now there's sometimes their faith wasn't mentioned. Sometimes their faith wasn't mentioned. It just, just Jesus, Jesus enacted the healing power uh, apart from their faith. In, in some instances, as we'll see, the, the people didn't have really any faith at all. God just, the Lord Jesus just healed them. You know, he does that sometimes. But in the, in the, uh, the, the, the vast array of instances, it's our faith, uh, it's the people's faith in the Bible, our faith that draws the power of God. You understand that and taps into it. Now here in Mark, the ninth chapter, verse 14, uh, let's pick up here with this, uh, with this boy who gets healed. Mark 9, verse 14. And when, he had uh, and when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are, uh, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought my son who has a mute spirit and wherever it uh, seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. Now you think about that. You think about that. Think about what this man was going through and what his son was going through. Think about that. And then verse seen, and it's right here in verse 18, Mark 9, 18. Disciples, that they should cast it out, but they could not. Now that to me is one of the saddest things in the entirety of the Bible without question. And let's read it again. This man says, I spoke to your disciples. He, so, so this man spoke to the disciples of the Lord that they should cast it out, but they could not. The saddest thing is, is that when, when the world comes to the church looking for the power of God, looking for help, and it cannot be found, that is tragic. That is sad. To me, that's one of the saddest things in all the Bible is when the world finally does turn to the church to look for the power of God 
and the power of God's not there. When the world turns to the church for help, for the healing power of God and the church, there's no power there. They can't, can't help folk. That to me is very, very sad. Uh, these disciples should have been able to help this, uh, this man and his boy. And Jesus will bring that out as we go along, uh, uh, that they could have helped him had they had the faith, but they didn't have the faith. Are we okay? Okay. All right. So, um, so I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out and they could not. Isn't that sad? That's sad. Anyway, verse 19, he answered him and said, O faithless generation. Now notice, faithless generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. Now notice, see, that's what demonic power wants to do is to destroy us. And uh, but notice, uh, throw him into the fire, into the water to try to kill him. Uh, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Now notice this man says, if, he says to the Lord, if you can do anything, if you can, you ought to underline that or highlight that in your Bible, if you're taking notes, the guy says to Jesus, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. But now notice, notice Jesus's reply. Jesus said to him, if you can believe. So you see, people will say to Jesus, if you can do anything, but what Jesus says back to them is if you can believe. See, it's not a matter of if Jesus can do something. We know he can do something. It's not that. It's can you believe? Can you believe? If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. It's not a question of can Jesus do it? It's not a question of is he willing? Yes, he's willing. It's not a question of does he have the power? Sure he does. But the question is, can you believe? And again and again, people do not receive their healing from the Lord because they're unable to believe God. It, it, it just comes right down to it. And so Jesus says, if you can believe. So it's not a matter of... Uh, the, the, see, when people aren't receiving from the Lord, it's not a problem on God's end. Amen. It's a problem on our end. Somehow or another, it's not a problem on God's end. It's a problem on our end. And uh, and uh, a lot of times folks, you know, blame God and say, well, God didn't heal me. God didn't, you know, do what he should have done. You know, uh, I think if we could go back 2000 years and stand at the cross and look at what Jesus will actually for he got to the cross when he was being whipped. And, and then on the cross, he bore not only our sins, that's primarily the focus, but he also bore our sickness and disease. And I think if we could go see what Jesus went through on the, on the, at the whipping post and on the cross, I don't think we'd ever say ever again that, you know, God, God hasn't done all that he can do. He's done all that he can do. He's done everything that needs to be done. He's provided healing. It's available to everybody. It, it really, really is. He's, he's, Jesus paid the price for our healing. He's done everything that he's going to do. The healing power of God has been issued forth. It's just a matter of, can we believe God and receive it? Can we believe God and receive it? See what folks do. See, here's the Bible and here's people's experience. This is a good illustration. Here's the Bible. Here's what the Bible says. And here's people's experience. This is their experience, people's experience. And what I've watched over the years, and I've you know, seen many people do this, when they're not receiving from the Lord, when they're not getting healed, all right? And, and we've watched denominations do this over the years, you know, over the decades and, and even centuries gone by. When people aren't, their experience doesn't match the word of God. When people's experience doesn't match the word of God. Uh, what they'll do is, because see, it's, it, it, it takes work, it's hard, it really is. It can be very hard to bring your experience up to match the word of God. 
That's hard. Okay, so people don't do that. What they do is, is rather than bringing their experience up to match the word of God, what people will do is they'll start watering the word down. This doesn't mean that, and that doesn't mean this, and this doesn't mean the other, and, and you know, God's not in the healing business anymore, or it may not be his will to heal, or he didn't heal so-and-so, or so-and-so didn't get healed, and, and you see what's happening? That word's getting watered down. All the healing passed away with the death of the last apostle. See what happens? And it gets watered down, and what people will do is they'll water the word down, to match their experience so that they'll feel better emotionally. Did you get what I just said? And, and we've seen that. And that's why you have people saying, denominations saying, you know, all the healing powers passed away. It's all gone, you know, because they'll water, their, they'll, they'll water the word down to match their experience Rather than, here's the word of God, rather than, rather than, you know, it takes work then for them to begin to say, okay, this is what the word of God says. I've got to do what I've got to do to get my experience up to match the word of God. Did you get, did you get that? You know, it's, it's the honest truth, isn't it? It's the honest truth. And that's why you have people say, well, healing power, God's passed away, died out with the last apostle. Actually, if you go study church history, you'll see that the healing power of God has, 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 has been available all throughout church history, even to the present hour, okay? We've seen it here in this ministry, in this church over the last many, many, many years, okay? But so never water the word of God down to match your experience. Rather, you do whatever it takes to bring your experience up to match the word of God. Okay, and so anyway, but he, so so this guy says to Jesus, "If you can do anything," but Jesus said, "If you can believe." So it's not a matter of Lord, if you can do something, that's not it. It's can you believe? Can you believe? All things are possible to him who believes. Now immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, "Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief." When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Uh, then the spirit, now notice Jesus spoke to the spirit, didn't he? He rebuked the unclean spirit that was in that boy and commanded it to come out and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly and came out of him. And he became as one dead. So many said he is dead, but Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up and he arose. That's good, isn't it? And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So they wanted to know, they were perplexed. Why could we not cast it out? Now, uh, I'm not going to turn there, but you can look up Matthew 17, verse 20. Matthew 17, verse 20, Jesus comes right out and tells them, because we're reading Mark's account, but if you went and read Matthew's account, you'd see Matthew 17, 20, Jesus tells them point blank why they couldn't do it. He said, because of your unbelief. I tell you what, unbelief is a, is a, is a bad thing. Doubt unbelief, same thing. It's, it, it's a bad thing. Uh, the power of God will not flow through doubt and unbelief. It just, it just, it won't conduct, you know, you know how uh, certain things will conduct uh, electricity, you know, and certain things won't, you know, electricity will run through a, a steel pole golf shaft, you know, that's why you don't want to be out, you don't want to be out in the, uh, in, in, in an electrical storm, you know, when it's lightning. You know, with a golf club in your hand. You follow what I'm saying? You, 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 get, you get killed. But they tell me you can go sit in a car in, a, in an electrical storm and be fine because it's sitting on those rubber tires and that electricity won't go through, you know, won't go through the rubber. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. I think that it is. But you understand as well as I do, there's certain things that will conduct electricity and certain things that won't. Is that correct? There are certain things electricity will flow through and certain things that it won't, okay? The power of God will not flow through doubt and unbelief. 
It just won't. We saw in Nazareth that, the, remember, we saw Jesus there could do no mighty work. Didn't say he wouldn't, said he couldn't. And Why? Because of their doubt and unbelief. You understand that? And so you need to realize that, that doubt and unbelief, the power of God won't flow through that as, uh, a, 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 it just won't. But it'll flow through faith. It'll flow through a believing heart, you see. The power of God will flow through a believing heart. And anyway, so uh, verse 29 here in Mark 9, uh, 29. So Jesus said to them that he said something else to them. Because the disciples wanted to know why they couldn't cast that demon out. And Jesus said, because of your unbelief. So would you agree with me if the disciples were believing and had the, had the faith they should have, they'd have been able to cast it out? Absolutely. What's always shocked me about that is those disciples were walking the shores of Galilee with the Lord Jesus Christ. They were sitting in his meetings, hearing everything that he had to say. And still they, they didn't have faith. Isn't that something? That's something to think about. I, I wonder why that is. I'd have to think about that one just a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. They, they, they were walking with him right next to him. Right? Listening to everything that he, that he says. And yet, they didn't, they didn't have the faith as they should. Something, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but then he says to them in verse 29, this is Mark 9, 29. He, he makes another statement. He says, this kind, now he's talking about this kind of demon. You know there's different levels of devils. Did you know that? I mean, there's only one devil. There's many demons, but there's different levels of demons. Principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual wickedness in high places. There's different levels of demons, you know. You need to realize that. A lot of folks don't realize that as, as, as they should. But uh, he said this kind, this kind of demon can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. But prayer and fasting. But prayer and fasting. Now the and fasting part was in most Bibles that's in italics so that there's argument whether that even should be in the Bible because it it wasn't in I believe some of the original oldest manuscripts the and fasting part but the prayer is definitely there this kind can this kind comes out by nothing but prayer and you could argue fasting should be in there and other scholars would argue it shouldn't. So whichever way you want to go. But this kind can come out by nothing but prayer. And if you want to put fasting in, okay. But by prayer, certainly. So, so maybe we're just stand here thinking about this. We know the disciples couldn't cast that demon out because of their unbelief. We know that. Because of Matthew 17, 20. But here's something else. By what Jesus said in verse 29, this kind can, can come out by, by, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer. So, so what do we learn here? The disciples who were walking with Jesus were not praying, were they? Huh? Can we conclude that? So it's possible to walk with Jesus and, uh, and not have a prayer life. So they weren't praying as they should. It's possible, I guess, to walk with Jesus like they did and not be as dedicated to prayer as, as they should have been. I mean, can't we conclude? He, they couldn't cast the demon out. Is that right? Couldn't cast the demon out. We know it's because of their unbelief. But then he also says here in verse 29 that it has something to do with their lack of prayer. Interesting. We do understand that when Jesus was at the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, right before he went to the cross, what were the disciples doing? He told them to, to watch and pray. He told them to watch and pray. What were they doing instead of watching and praying? They were sleeping. Now, I don't believe necessarily at all because they was lazy or tired or anything like that. They worked, they worked, they worked very hard with Jesus and helping him and so on and so forth. They did. And, and when they were sleeping there, you, you can study into it and see that they were sleeping, the Bible says, because of sorrow. And, and, and I, I'm not implying that, 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 that they were lazy or anything like that. It may well have been tired. But, but I've learned this. You can, you can work so hard for Jesus that you lose your intimacy with Jesus. 
I don't know if you got what I just said, but 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 I've I've done that over the years as a, as a pastor. You get so hard working at the church and working in the ministry and 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 working for Jesus that you lose your intimacy with him. I didn't say you lost your salvation. I said you, you could lose your intimacy with him. You know, we see this over in the Old Testament. There was a man over there. I think his name was Asaph. I think that's his name. And he was over the music department. I think it was under King David. He was over the music department, you know, and he was a psalmist. I think he wrote some of the psalms, some of them. And he wrote a psalm and I'm just putting this in my own words from my memory. But this was the essence of it, that 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 he was laying on his he had he'd worked in the temple. He'd gotten all the songs prepared. He had everything just, you know, just just as is everything was organized. Everything was just, you know, he had all the every all the worship songs for the people to sing, etc. He had all that there, you know, and he was working his tail off, you know, for the Lord. But there's a psalm over there where I think he's he's on his bed musing and, you know, thinking it in the midnight hour on his bed. And he was remembering back to the time where he was he had intimacy with the Lord. In other words, what I'm trying to tell you is you can you can work so hard for the Lord that you can lose your intimacy with the Lord. Do you understand that? And I've watched people do that over the years. Primarily, I've watched ministers do that over the years. Ministers, worship leaders, you know, people who worked in the church setting, you know, children's department heads or, 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 or youth department heads or these, these sorts of things, these sorts of people. Primarily, that's where I've seen it, that, that, that they'll get so busy working for the Lord that they lose their intimacy with the Lord. And so I think that's something that we can that that happened to Asaph over there, as I just said, over there in the Old Testament. He worked so hard for the Lord that he lost his intimacy with the Lord. You see, he was right there in the in the in the temple, you know, just about every day getting the songs ready and all of that, you know. So he works. He, he was he was doing good things, working for the Lord, saved man. All right. Saved. This has nothing to do with salvation. It's talking about intimacy. You see it with a husband and a wife. A lot of times a husband and a wife are married, right? Obviously, they're husband and wife. But just because they're married, they, they, they have that, uh, uh, they have that uh, uh, relationship. But have you ever seen a husband and a wife? They're married, all right, but uh, they've lost uh, their intimacy. They've lost their fellowship with one another. Have you ever seen that? It, 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 you know, and, and, and like a, a parent and a child, you know, you know, uh, have you ever if you have children, you know, maybe there's been times in your life where you've been closer with them than others. Right. And, and, and when 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 they've done things that they've kind of drifted away from you, you're still their parent just as much as you've ever been. They're still your child. Right. But you may not have that close intimacy. That you like, see, same thing's true with the Lord. We we can we if we have faith in the Lord Jesus, we're saved, all right, all right. It's not a question of that. We're, we're we've got we've got a, a a a relationship with Him through through the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, relationship with the Heavenly Father. But but you can lose your fellowship with Him if you're not if you're not watchful. And one way people do it is they get so busy working for the Lord. That they lose their intimacy with the Lord. And I think maybe we answered our own question right here. It's possible these disciples, they couldn't cast the demon out. They'd been working so hard for the Lord. I'm not insinuating they were lazy. They'd been working so hard for the Lord that perhaps they lost, lost their intimacy with the Lord. Now, if that can happen to these guys 2,000 years ago, walking right with Jesus where they can reach out and touch him, how much more do we have to be careful that we don't let that happen to us? Amen. See what I'm saying? So, so, so uh, now none of that was in my notes. I, I didn't know I was going to say any of that. That just came out by the Spirit of God. He wanted that said. See, I think it was helpful to us all. I think it was helpful to us all. And uh, so it, it was unbelief, all right, but, but I think they were with him, working hard for him, for Jesus, his disciples, you know, but perhaps they'd lost that intimacy. And, 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 and I tell you what, when there's no prayer, 
Well, there's no prayer. And he said, we can imply it. They, they weren't praying as they should because he said this kind can, can come out by nothing but prayer. And, and you could argue fasting too. But by prayer, they weren't praying as they should. So they lost their intimacy with him. Though he was right there, they were right there in his midst. Isn't that something? So we have to be watchful of that. But aren't you glad that even though Jesus' disciples couldn't help this man and his son, Jesus could. Even though this, the disciples couldn't, Jesus could. Amen. So, the, so thank God for that. All right, let's go to Mark, the 10th chapter. Let's go to Mark, the 10th chapter. <clears throat> and, and verse 46. Now we're going to talk about blind Bartimaeus. Mark 10, 46. Remember, we're just chronicling all of Jesus's healing miracles. We're going through them one by one. But I tell you what, we've learned a lot of things, haven't we? As we've gone, as we've gone on the way here. Uh, but now they came to Jericho as they went out of Jericho, his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, when they, uh, from my study of it, when people would refer to Jesus as son of David, they were, they were indicating that they uh, uh, were recognizing him as the Messiah. Son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet. And he cried out all the more. So there's a great lesson in there that a lot of people try, try to quiet your voice for the Lord, but don't let people quiet your voice for the Lord. When people try to quiet you down for the Lord, just cry out all the more. And uh, so he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus, Jesus stood still. So Bartimaeus was able to stop Jesus in his tracks. And we'll see it was Bartimaeus's faith, his willingness to cry out even when he's been told to shut up, that stopped Jesus in his tracks. And so uh, if you want to be able to stop Jesus in his tracks and get his attention, have faith and uh, have a faith that cannot be silenced. Boy, I like that. How about that? That's yes. that, have a faith that and I've never said that before ever. See. That's, that just came out by the Spirit of God. Have a faith that cannot be silenced, and then you'll be able to stop Jesus in his tracks and you'll get his attention. I like that. And so he commanded him to be called. Jesus stood still, commanded Bartimaeus to be called. They called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer. Rise. He is calling you. And then here, verse 50, throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. Now, now I, I heard a minister say this years ago, and it was so good, I didn't realize it when he said this. But, but it was so good, and I checked into it, and it's exactly right. That garment, see, a lot of times you'll read over things, you know, and just miss them, miss what the Bible's really saying. But that, that garment that he had was a beggar's garment. I'll put it so we can understand it. It was like his license or his permit to beg. You know what I'm saying? Like around here in the area, there's right up here, not too far away from where we are. There's a fella, you know, that likes to sit out on the side of the road and sell his, his vegetables. And I think, I think it's great. My mother used to do that years ago. And, or we'd stop by when different ones would sit out and sell vegetables. But in the day in which we now live, if I'm not mistaken, you have to have a permit to do that. And, if the, and I know they've shut that guy down a couple of times because he doesn't have a permit. Uh, and that's, you know, I, I like, I, I, that's some of the best vegetables you get sometimes is those guys selling it by the side of the road. I tell you what, my uncle, he'd bring some, uh, his uncle Wally, he brought, if he lived in Oakville, he had a, a garden down there. He'd bring things out to my mother and I. Uh, you haven't ate sweet corn until you've ate sweet corn out of my Uncle Wally's garden. I'll tell you what, it's, it's better than a snicker bar. Wow. Now for me to say that, that's going some. But uh, better, now I think Dan, did you bring me some corn one time? Somebody brought, Dan brought me some. Now Dan, yours was great. 
Yours was great. It was, it was, it was almost as good as Uncle Wally's. <laughs> but, but I'd have to give Uncle Wally just a touch above yours, but it was close. His was a 10, yours was a 9.9. But I tell you what, uh, uh, that's some of the best eating. That's some of the best eating that, uh, okay, Chris was looking at me funny. So, okay, Dan, I'm going to give you a 10. Okay. <laughs> Here's his a 10. Oh, he bought it from this. He bought it from the guy out there. <laughs> okay. So that's really funny. So, so you bought it from that guy I'm talking about. Okay. But anyway, I'm just joking. But, but here's the thing is, uh, but they had to have a permit to, 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 they had to have a permit to beg. Are you with me? They had to have a permit to do it. So when, when Bartimaeus threw aside that garment, he was throwing aside his right or his permit to make a, to, if you want to call it, to make a living or to get some income or to get some help. Can you see the faith on his part? Yes. See, we talk about faith in God. You know, I was thinking this last week, I was talking about it with my wife. But, uh, you know, when Abraham, the Bible talks about the faith of Abraham. Have you ever heard that? And we're supposed to have the faith of Abraham. But, you know, Abraham, what kind of faith did he have? He had the kind of faith that at the direction of God would take his son, lay his son on the altar, raise his knife to sacrifice his son. Now, that's some faith there, isn't it? I mean, that's some faith there. It was far more than just a mental ascent, wasn't it? And uh, I, I'm concerned a lot of times folks think think they have faith but they don't have anything more than mental assent. Because real Bible faith will act. A-C-T, will act. You know what I'm talking about? And so this guy here, he had real Bible faith, Bartimaeus. He threw aside that garment. He just tossed it aside. Don't need it anymore. Why? Because Jesus is going to heal me. Isn't that wonderful? So you see his faith here, not just in his crying out, but you see his faith Released in his action by throwing that garment aside. See, faith is released through words and our actions. And he comes to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbi, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way. Then what does he say? Your what? Your faith has made you well. Well, we understand it's the power of God that did it, but it was his faith that tapped into the power of God. Your faith has made you well. And so we've spent much time on that. It's our faith. But now watch this. This is something else. And immediately he received his sight. But now this is what I want you to get here. And I rejoice that he received his sight. But watch this. And then he followed Jesus on the road. And you see that again and again. When Jesus touched somebody and they got healed, they would want to follow him and be with him. And uh, my experience has been uh, over the years, now, now not with everybody, but over the many, the couple of decades, I've seen a lot of people, they want to come and get healed, but, but then they don't want to really follow the Lord and serve Him. But when people in the Bible got healed, they, uh, you see it again and again, they wanted to stay with Jesus and they wanted to serve Him. And Bartimaeus is, uh, is one such person. Now let's look at this next guy in Luke, the 14th chapter. Let's look at this guy here. Luke 14, verse 1. Now it happened as he went into the house, one of the rulers of the Pharisees, he, he went in to the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath, and they watched him closely. So now they're watching him. They were watching Jesus a lot. They were watching the religious people, watching him, trying to catch him in something that he's going to do wrong so they can accuse him. But you know, Jesus never did anything wrong. And behold, there was a certain man there before him who had dropsy. Dropsy. Now that doesn't mean that he had a problem dropping things. Pick everything up, drop it. That's not what that means. Dropsy, I looked it up because I didn't know what it was, but I looked it up. It's a condition characterized by an excess of watery fluid collecting in the cavities or tissues of the body. Thus, it would cause someone to be bloat, have a bloat, bloated look, look to him, you know, a bloated look or a swollen disfigurement. OK, so this man more than likely looked pretty dreadful 
as he was standing before the Lord Jesus Christ. He had dropsy. Now, I don't know for sure how he looked, but dropsy is not a good thing. His body was all filled with, with liquid. And you know what I'm talking about, excess of liquid, a condition characterized by excess of watery, watery fluid collecting in the cavities, tissues of the body. So no telling what this man might look like. But there's no case too hard for Jesus. And so Jesus answering spoke to the lawyers and Pharisees saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? But they kept silent and he took, him, uh, he took the man and healed him and let him go. Uh, now I wonder what happened to all that excess fluid. I wonder what happened to it. Because he was healed, now that fluid's gone. I wonder where it went. I wonder, I wonder where it went. I wonder, I wonder where it went. You know, I, I really do. I wonder where it went. I wonder if it just if it just disappeared, if it just dissipated, if all of a sudden he had a sweating spell and it all. I don't know. But you know what I learned a long time ago? I don't try to figure all those things out. I'm just glad it's gone. How about you? It's just glad it's gone. Went back to hell where it came from. Amen. How it got there. Who cares? Don't care. Don't need to don't need to know. Don't need to know. You know, don't need. We don't need to know. Don't need to know that excess information. Don't know, don't care how it, like that girl with that lump that we cursed some years ago and that it, it, it on her neck and it just, it just went away. Where did it go? It disappeared. Where did it go? I don't know. It just went away. Glory to God. We don't care when it went back to hell where it came from. Amen. You know, sickness and disease comes up out of hell. You know that. So it, it, it's, it's of the devil. So we don't care where it went. It's just out of this man's body and we rejoice. And uh, they kept silent. He took him by the heel and let him go. Verse five. Then he answered them saying, which of you having a donkey or an ox that has fallen into the pit will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day? And they could not answer him regarding these things. And again and again, you would see. And I brought this out before, but I want to bring it out again. Again and again, you would see the religious people getting all upset because Jesus would heal people on the Sabbath day. And he'd say, rise, take up your bed and walk. And the person would get up and walk. But the religious people were not rejoicing that the man got up and walked. They were aggravated and upset, nitpicking because, because he was carrying his bed on the Sabbath day. That's despicable, isn't it? I said it's despicable. Absolutely despicable. And Jesus tried to get across to him, you know, like, like, you know, loosen your donkey and taking your donkey. You know, if your ox falls into a pit, getting him out of the pit. See, those are good things. That's fine to do that on the Sabbath day. Certainly we ought to be able to heal people on the Sabbath day. Those religious people weren't getting anybody healed on the other six days. In fact, that one guy said, there's six days. That one religious guy said, there's six days on which you could heal, come and be healed on them. Well, he wasn't getting those guys healed, those sick people healed on those other six Six days. So Jesus said there's nothing wrong with healing people on the Sabbath and doing good on the Sabbath day. See what religion a lot of times, uh, I'm, I'm not talking about the pure religion of the Bible. I'm talking about the religiosity of man will put so many rules and regulations on you that you can't enjoy life. Amen. You can't even enjoy life, can't even be healed on the, on, on the Sabbath day. Is that sad? I tell you what, if I saw somebody get healed and get up and run around, I don't care what day it is. I'd just be rejoicing that they're healed, you see. Uh, verse 17. All right, let's go to, I'm sorry, let's close up here now. My time slipped away. Let's go to, let's close with this. Let's go to Luke 17. Let's look at, uh, let's see if I've got the time for this. I've got time for one more. And then we'll stop here and then pick up next, next week. Luke 17, 11. We'll look at the 10 lepers real quick. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem. This is Luke 17, 11. It happened as Jesus went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then he entered a certain village. There met him 10 men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voice and said, Master, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was. Now watch this. And of course, when, when lepers got healed, they'd have to go show themselves to the priest and go through a little ceremony or whatnot to get, to get, uh, 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 to get, you know, for the priest to verify that they're cleansed so that they could go back in, out in the public, okay? And so forth. And you can study all that, uh, uh, how that ceremony worked and all of that. So that's what lepers would have to do when they were cleansed is go get, get a, get a clearance from the priest, you know. And so Jesus said, go show yourselves to the priest. Well, when he said that, what was Jesus implying that they're healed? Yeah. 
But notice here as they went, see, notice now with these guys, they didn't get healed right on the spot. They had to go. They had to make a movement and obey Jesus. So when they first started out, they weren't healed. But I don't know how many steps it took, but might have been 10 steps, might have been 50 steps, might have been 100 steps. I don't know how many steps might have been. They might have had to walk a mile down the road. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe not. But but you see, they had to do so. They had to obey the command of the Lord. They had to do something. But as they went, they were cleansed. So so we just obey the Lord, you see. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God, fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And this he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? This is one of the saddest things in the Bible, too, is you see that ten people are cleansed, but only one returns to give thanks to the Lord. And Jesus, were, he was looking for those other nine, wasn't he? Yeah. Where he said, were there not ten? Where's the nine? Were there not, verse 18, were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said, because Samaritans were considered uh, a foreigner, so on and so forth. I won't get into that. And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your what? Your, your faith has made you well. So there it is again, it's, it's people's faith. It was his faith that made him well. But isn't it sad that only one person returned to give thanks? And something you learn about human nature, you learn about people that most folks aren't very thankful. I said most folks aren't very thankful. Even when they've been healed of leprosy, you need to realize what leprosy was. It, it, they, they were, they, their skin was being eaten away. And people are healed of something like that. And they don't bother to come back and say thank you or anything else to the Lord. That's despicable, dear friends. And you need to realize that the majority of the people you'll run into in life probably are not going to be very thankful. And I've watched it in the ministry over the many years. Over, I'm not talking about any of you all. I'm talking about over the many years. So many people just aren't thankful. That's one thing I made a decision when I was younger. I'm going to be thankful. I'm thankful to anybody for anything they've ever done to me. I can remember just about everything anybody's ever done for me of any significance. And I'm thankful for it. I'm absolutely thankful for it. Absolutely thankful for it. And, uh, and, and I tell you what, if you want to receive from God, you need to be thankful. But let me go you one more. If you want to keep what God's given you, you need to be thankful. Because, see, I can't prove it, but you can't disprove it. I'm thoroughly convinced. Now, I can't prove this, but you can't disprove it. I'm thoroughly convinced that these other nine lost their healing. Yeah. I, I, I'm convinced of it. Now, I can't prove it. I can't prove it. I'm not dogmatic about it at all. But I'm convinced they lost their healing. I've watched people. I've seen people. I've heard of people. I've seen it right here in this ministry. People get healed of the most astounding things. And, uh, and, and then they, for whatever reason, they lose their healing down the road. And you listen to some of the, you listen to Brother Hagin, who is a wonderful minister of the gospel, had a great healing ministry. And he'd tell you that, that he'd see people healed in his meetings and, and then they'd, they'd, they'd go out for whatever reason, lose their, their, lose their healing. I remember that he, he told the story about back in the days of the healing revival, I guess back in the, what was it, back in the 50s and so on and so forth. He said that uh, all those big healing evangelists, you know, Oral Roberts, A.A. Allen and Jack Cohen, a lot of these big healing evangelists back in the days of, of that time. And, and Brother Hagin had his, 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 people didn't know him quite back then as they would later on. You know, his fame hadn't spread abroad yet. And he would go in behind where these big uh, uh, evangelists would go. And, and they'd come in there, legitimate power, you know, legitimate ministers, power of God flowing. And, and, and Brother Hagin, he, he said he'd see people or he'd hear of people that they'd got healed and they'd come to his meetings and testify. They got healed in those, those big crusades, but they'd go out and they'd lose their healing for whatever reason. And then, of course, they'd come to Brother Hagin's meeting. They'd sit and hear the word of God, get their faith built. They'd receive the healing power of God. And, and remember, it's God's healing power. It doesn't belong to any man. But they'd, they'd, get, they'd get healed. And then because they had some teaching under their belt, they'd be able to keep it. But I'm convinced if you're not thankful for what God gives you, you're going to lose it. 
I said you're going to lose it. So let's always be thankful for what God has done for us and we'll be able to keep our healing. Now, I don't, I can't prove that these guys lost, these other nine lost their healing. I'm not dogmatic about it, but just from what I know, if I had to throw in my two cents, I'd say they probably, probably did lose their healing. Uh, but, but the guy that came back, praise God, we know he kept it and he was thankful. Let's take a lesson from him. Let's be thankful for anything the Lord does for us and, uh, and, and we'll receive from him and then we'll be able to keep it. Can you say amen? amen. All right, let's everybody stand. I, I, I leave that Facebook on because I, I just as I was up here teaching, I want to make the statement. I, 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 I need to make it out on the Facebook. The statement I did at the beginning, I wasn't going to put it on the Facebook, but the Lord wants me to. So you just stick with me just a couple of minutes. This won't take long. But uh, what I was saying earlier is we need to pray for President Trump. And we need to pray for him that he, now listen, the, the, the death of this justice, this lady that died, we take no pleasure in her, in her passing. We take no pleasure in her passing. But she was very liberal, a very liberal justice and was for abortion and was for homosexuality and, uh, uh, and uh, justices that vote for those sorts of things have babies' blood on their hands. Right. Amen. And I just trust, and I know this is a blunt statement, but I trust that she repented before she died. Yes. <clears throat> and we take no pleasure in her death. And I do admire her. She was a person of study and a brilliant person. So we do give her certainly credit for that. But uh, the things she stood for were despicable as it pertained to abortion, as it pertained to same sex stuff. Now, the things she did for women's equality and women's I'm all for that. I think that was very good and very fantastic. So so she did a lot of good. She sure did. But uh, the things that, that, that she did concerning the abortion and the, uh, the same-sex uh, things, uh, not good, okay? So, so but, but I'm not going to bash that woman other than what I've already said. And everything I said is right in line with the Bible. We take no pleasure at her passing. We trust that she was right with the Lord when she went. But here's the thing. We need to pray for President Trump. And we need to pray that he nominates a justice and he does it quickly and that he picks the one that God would have on the court. And then we need to trust and pray and believe that that justice gets approved quickly, quickly, even before the next election is held. ASAP. We need that seat filled with a conservative judge, because if we ever want to see Roe versus Wade overturned, which I do want to see that, and if we ever want to see the same sex marriage thing put back like it's supposed to be, marriage is between a man and a woman as a husband and a wife. If we ever have any hope to see that in this nation, abortion outlawed and same sex marriage done away with, we're going to have to have that court make that decision if you want to see that uh, those things done away with in this land. Abortion should not be the law of the land in the United States. It should not be. You, can't, you cannot have the blessing of God on a nation that legalizes killing babies. And the same-sex marriage, same thing. Remember, homosexuality typically comes to the forefront and is approved by a nation before it falls, uh, before it's judged by God. And we do not want that to be the case. So this same-sex marriage thing has got to be turned back to sex, uh, uh, marriage between a man and a woman as husband and wife. So we're going to need a Supreme Court justice on there to get these things moving the right way. So that's why we need to pray for President Trump to fill this seat with a conservative judge that God wants, and then we need that, that process to be brought through quickly and co confirmation quickly. Yes. 
even before the next election. And I don't care. Somebody's going to say, well, it's hypocritical. Well, you know, in, in politics, it's, I'm against hypocrisy, but I tell you what, politics is politics. And if the shoe is on the other foot, the Democrats would do it to the Republicans. And that's all beside the point. I don't care about the Democrat-Republican thing. I declare I care about what's right and what we need. And people will squawk. And the Democrats will squawk. Let them squawk. We need a conservative judge on that court. And we need it on there quick. So let's pray. Father God, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask that you would assist President Trump in making the correct pick for this Supreme Court uh, justice. That he'd make the correct pick to fill that seat that was just opened up. By the death of that judge. And that, 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 that help him to choose the person that you would want, whether it be male or female. Female would be fantastic. Male, female, either one. Whoever you want, Lord. Help him to make that pick. And then I would ask, Heavenly Father, that you would, that you would move and, and help uh, the senators, help, help those that need to be helped. To get this through as soon as possible, even before the next election. And may all the, all the squawking, Heavenly Father, that will come up through this. Let those people's words be void and fall to the ground and be of no effect. In Jesus' name we pray. And we believe that we receive this, this conservative judge, the one that you would have. And that it would be done as soon as possible. Father, I also pray for this nation. I pray for Christians. I pray for all of us. Particularly those who serve you and look to you. That you would help us and strengthen us and give us peace through these next, these next months as we go through what's going to happen as we lead up to this election. Because as I said last week, sir, and I know we're going to see some of the most bizarre things that we've ever seen. And now with the death of this judge, it's like it's, it's all, the political arena, sir, was already on fire. And now it's had high, high octane fuel thrown on it. But Lord, we're going to look to you. We're going to stand in faith, in faith, looking to you. You are our anchor, you are our hope, you are our future, and we trust in you, and we'll fear not, but we'll have faith in God. And we thank you for your goodness and mercy, in Jesus' name. Amen. If there's anyone on Facebook and you don't know the Lord Jesus, the Bible says call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. So just repent of your sins right where you are. Call out to Jesus. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. If you'll do that, you'll miss hell. You'll make heaven. You'll get born again. And Jesus will make your life worth living in the meantime. Well, thanks for joining us today. God bless you. And we'll see you next time. Bye bye.